Um, all right, so I was thinking about, I'm 30 years old. I've mentioned that. I think that's old. Some of you laugh at that being old. You think it's young, whatever. I feel old. Here's some examples of why I feel old. When I was a kid, I listened to book on tape. Do you know why I listened to book on tape? Because I didn't have a CD player, like, right? I had a cassette player. And that kind of stuff makes me feel old. Uh, has anyone else ever listened to a book on cassette tape? Raise your hand high, be proud. Okay, I didn't expect that result. Are we all old? Are we all young? I don't know. Anyway, but I just think about how over time, how much like things have changed around me. I remember guys getting a, a gift for Christmas. My dad got me this stereo, this like boom box of sorts. But guys, it wasn't just any stereo. Get this. It could hold 60 CDs at once. All you had to do was open it and individually pack each CD until you got all 60, close it, and then you could choose it to go to the next CD, the next CD, the next CD. And as an 11-year-old, I was like, all of music is in the palm of my hands. And y'all, the iPod really came and ruined that whole thing, that I, the empire that I was building of my CD collection. Just like, I can put any of this, my, I can put my 60 favorite CDs in here. Here's DC Talk, here's Audio Adrenaline, here's Newsboys, here's Lecrae, here's KJ52, anybody? I'm, that's some, if you don't understand, it's okay. You're, not, it's, you're fine. Um, anyway, um, but I just remember like, oh wow, like things have changed so much. I look now, now we got Teslas. I was walking into Publix and there was a guy in his Tesla watching Netflix on the Tesla screen. The screen came with the car. He wasn't watching on his phone in the car. Big old Tesla screen. I'm like, what, what has happened? So much has changed, right? Like I'm just recognizing the past 30 years, like, Wow, really more like the past 20. So much has changed around me. And one of the places that I've seen the most change, I think, this is my kind of awful segue, um, but one of the things that I think have changed the most is, is our awareness of like mental health and our story. Like growing up, I don't know about you guys, maybe you guys were in just a different culture, but I wasn't very often examining what made me who I am. My origin story, right? Like my family, my culture, like I wasn't used to breaking all that down. Like when I had an insecurity, I just tried to get over it. I didn't dig deeper. I didn't go, now where did that stem from? Oh yeah, when I was four, my mom said that and it, it made me feel this. And then, but I didn't do that. Did anyone else do that growing up? I don't know, that just wasn't a conversation I was having a lot of. Hopefully you were doing that. I think it's actually really good. But nowadays, it's like really common for us to have this kind of mindset of what makes you you? And that's a complicated answer, right? And none of us, I don't think, struggle to believe that. What makes us who we are is complicated. There's, there's more than meets the eye. There's, there's more to it, right? I thought about like my friend, uh, or, or wait, hold on. So I, I, I wanna just note that as a culture in 2021, we value that there's more to the story, right? There's more to what we believe, what we think, how we act. And so when we act out in anger or we do something kind of strange, we're more readily uh, able to ask the question, why did that happen? Like, we don't have to focus on just the behavior, but where did it come from? A few examples, you guys already get it, but here you go. I have a friend, and I'm gonna call him James. That's not his actual name, but for privacy's sake. But growing up, his parents got divorced. And the divorce, this sounds so strange, but they got divorced, they both remarried, and then they became best friends, the couples. Super strange thing, but they all got along super well. That is true to this day, 20 years later. Here's what would happen at elementary school with my friend James. A kid would walk in sad and he'd say, my parents are splitting up. 
And my friend James would go, oh, that's awesome. You get to have two birthdays, two Christmases. Like he's happy for them. And they're probably coming in like crying. He told me they were clearly sad, but he's like, wow. And it's like on the surface, nothing about someone going, your parents split up, that's awesome. That doesn't make sense, right? We understand, man, divorce has pain. It has hurt, it's calamity. It can hurt kids, it can hurt families, right? It's painful sometimes. But when you get to know my friend James's story, you're like, ah, now that makes sense. In your limited experience as a child, divorce was good news for you because everyone somehow miraculously got along and spent vacation together. Of course you thought divorce was good, but we know there's more to it, right? But when it starts to make sense, when you get to know their story. Hold on, I had a few other examples that I liked. I don't want to skip them. Hold on. Um, actually, do you guys feel good about that? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like when you get the background, you kind of get it. I think I can skip that. Um, all right. Um, but so all of these examples, or the one example I gave you, um, they come together with this simple question. Like we're good at asking, okay, now what makes this make sense? When we see something in ourselves, we're more and more comfortable with what makes this make sense. And so my whole point is we're more aware today than ever before, that multiple factors shape who we are and how we see the world. We understand that. A lot of things go into who we are and how we see the world. Does that make sense? Not just how you feel, not just how you think. Outside circumstances make you who you are in some way, shape, or form, okay? And so if that's true of your personality, maybe even of your Enneagram, like if it's been influenced by other things, if that's all true, who you are is influenced by so much I think we could all agree this is probably true with God. Who we think God is, how we feel about God, what we think he's like, is not just coming from this like place of intuition or this gut feeling that so many of us, at least like me, operate out of. Oh, I feel this way, so that's what it is, right? But who is God and what all has shaped that? A.W. Tozer says, what comes to mind when you think of God is the most important Thing about you. And I want to explore that for a little bit. What comes to your brain when you think of God, before you, can try, before you can start trying to think of the correct ways to think about God, what instinctively comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And so I would venture it's fair to say a lot of circumstances influence what you think about God. And so when you think, oh, oops, when you think, oh, God loves this about me, or when you think, oh, God doesn't like this about me, or God loves what they're doing, or God hates what they're doing, why do you think that? Do you ever slow down? In the same way that if you lashed out, out of anger and you were like, where did that come from? And you'd explore it. When you think things about God as you just go, if you catch them, what made you think that? And have you ever paused and went, wait, why do I think that about God? And am I right? Why do I think I'm right? Does anyone ever do that? Do you ever think things about God and never even, I mean, this is like the first time I've even bring it on your radar. You should question some of the things you think about God because it may or may not have come from scripture or some other, experience, some other thing, who knows? And so I just think this is a really powerful kind of thing to do, to step back and go, why am I feeling or thinking this way about God? And why do I believe it's right? Because if it didn't come from scripture, it's really up for grabs. Like, honestly, according to scripture, if what we feel about God isn't in scripture, it is up for grabs. I'm just letting you know, your feelings and your thoughts, this is just like logical, right? No matter how I feel my wife Leah should be, it does not change Leah. I can sit here and just 
I'm just thinking so hard, Leah, you're gonna do something. I'm not, I'm not even telling you what you're about to do, but I'm thinking it and nothing will change, right? But with God, I think so often we, we live out of this place of, no, I know, I know what he's like. I have this gut feeling. I'm thinking about that. I, I just assume things. And so today I wanna step back and go, no, who is God? Really, 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 who is God according to the source, according to scripture? And so I don't know if you've ever felt like, man, how do I talk to God? How does walking with God even work? Every time I go to church, we talk about walking with God, but how do I even start? I don't know if you've ever felt that gap. You sit down before God and you look at the sky and you're like, what do I even say here? And this week I was thinking, I think it's, it's less about how do you have a relationship with God and first and foremost about who God is. When you know who God is, I, I really, I don't think this is hyperbolic. I think relationship with God becomes a little easier. Um, when you know who God is. For example, if you tell me, hey, go talk to a stranger right now. And I'd be like, why, who, what do I say? Why am I doing this? This doesn't make any sense to me, right? That would be kind of dizzying. Hey, go talk to that person you don't know. Now, if you told me, go talk to your mom, call her, I wouldn't be like, what do you want me to say? How does this go? How do sons normally talk to their mothers? Let's define this. How does a son-mother relationship work? So when I get on the phone, I gotta make sure I do exactly what sons do for their moms. Hey mom, hold on, let me check. Of course that's not how it works, why? I know my mom loves me. I know who she is. I don't have to plan conversation with my mom. I know the presence I'm entering into. Like I can be like, mom, what's up? We don't even have to have direction. This will go fine because me and you have a really healthy relationship and I feel your love for me, right? It all changes with who we understand God to be. And so this next teaching series, if you're taking notes, drum roll, is gonna be called God Is. It works better if you can see it, dot, dot, dot. God, so just know, God is blank. And throughout the fall, we're gonna try to fill in that blank with different attributes, with different characteristics that help us understand who is God according to the ultimate source that is scripture. Now, before you catch on to me, I am not about to capture all of God this fall. So you caught me. Uh, we're not gonna know the, 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 just the, how amazing and big and complex God is after the fall, but I do think we can have a more accurate understanding of God that enables us to step into a deeper relationship with God. And so every week, my goal is to be in the Old Testament a little bit, to be in the New Testament a little bit, and then to connect it all to 2021. And what I, help, what I wanna help us see is sometimes we divorce the Old Testament from the New Testament and the New Testament from now. And the truth is what I believe and what the Bible suggests is that God has been writing one story that is not broken up into many different parts, but it's one big story that is still being written today. And the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament is the God of right now. And I really hope we can like capture that. Okay, God, what have you always been? What have you always been up to? Because right now we're in that like, everything feels so immediate. We're all wondering how long we get to meet in person here. When's it gonna change? When's my vacation getting canceled? When's my wedding getting canceled? When's everything getting, like we're all just like, when's it gonna happen? And we're ready for quick change. But do you know there's a God that exists that is not flustered by the current moment? He's the same in Genesis as he is today. So anyway, I'm really excited about this series. It's gonna be really good. I wanna start though in Psalm 27. So if you have a Bible and you're taking notes, Psalm 27, write that down. We're gonna read verses one through five. And then, surprise or not so surprised, we're gonna do a little exercise. So if you're new to the Ruby, this is a surprise. If you're not new to the Ruby, you saw this coming. We're gonna do a little exercise together. I think it'll be beneficial. But first, we're gonna read Psalm 27. And just a preface, this is written by King David. And King David, at the time of this Psalm, seems to be really in love with the Lord and locked into the Lord. 
And so he has this view of God that you don't have to feel pressure to agree with or resonate with. But man, you can just tell David and God are in a good space, good headspace in this chapter. So verses one through five of Psalm 27, if someone in our church would not mind uh, reading that scripture out loud uh, for our family, that would be awesome. So someone just take it. Yeah, uh, Psalm 27, one through five. Yeah, that's so good. So today, we're gonna, we're gonna start by looking big picture. We're not gonna get into the weeds of this series this week. This is an intro week. This week is about us understanding how we currently view God, the feelings, thoughts, beliefs that come with us as we view God. And we're gonna start by looking at King David and seemingly where he's at when he thinks about God. So let's really take ourselves to the human David writing these words. Think about what he's feeling, what he knows about God to say some of these things. Here's some quotes that I took from the ESV version. I ask that I may dwell in the house of the Lord for all the days of my life. What do you have to know and believe about God to ask for that? Okay. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. What do you have to know and think and believe and experience with God to think that if you stare at him, you're beholding beauty? He will hide me in his shelter. He will lift me high upon a rock. You just feel this confidence from David. It's clear there's some kind of war going on. I don't know if it's literal or metaphorical, but something's going on and he's like, the Lord, the Lord will lift me high. What does someone have to think and believe about God to say these words. Like, what is that? And, and I, want, I really want you to put yourself in juxtaposition to this Psalm 27. Like, when you hear these words, do they, are they true to you? Does this feel reasonable? Do you guys remember that song? I could sing of your love forever. Do you want to ever sing that? That's not how it sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's this hook, and it goes over and over and over again. I could sing your love forever. Anyone ever heard that song and went, I don't know, man, that's long. Like singing forever, that's long, dude, seriously. That's how I felt when I read this Psalm 27. It was like, really? You just wanna sit in the temple of God and just stare at him? And there are seasons of my life that I can look back and Psalm 27 would have been like, woo, David, I could have wrote that myself, I feel you. Yes, woo, he's sweet. I'm not in one of those seasons. Does anyone else read that and immediately go, me and David, not on the same page? Different wavelengths here, different experience with God. My, my only request is certainly not, I wanna go sit in a temple and just worship the whole time. Nope, <laughs> like, like Tom Hanks just released a movie. I'm trying to see it. I just saw it, sorry. Um, anyway, but when you think about being with God, what comes to your mind? And I just wanna pose this question. What if there's a world where the scriptures have such like, they have formed your understanding of who God is in such a way 
that there's a future you that reads Psalm 27 and goes, now I relate to that. Let that image sink in. Picture yourself writing Psalm 27, one through five and meaning every word of it. Picture yourself looking at God and being mesmerized by his beauty for so long that you're like, I could do this forever. Whether I mean that literally or not, it just feels that way. You ever been so much, have you ever been in a moment with someone that you got a crush on? You're like, please, I want this night to never end. Like, cause once it ends, I'm not sure if you're gonna text me back. So let's just be here the whole time. You ever felt that feeling of please, 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 let's be in here forever. <laughs> okay, please. All the feels. I don't know if you know this, and I don't mean this in a shallow way. That is much more available in the presence of God, and then he never leaves. <laughs> like, you can have that with God. I believe that. But if we're gonna, if we're ever gonna relate to Psalm 20, and I'm not saying everyone is in a bad place with God. Sorry if I sound that way. I know some of you are thriving with the Lord. I mean, I'm looking at my in-laws right now, thriving. They are on fire. They catch my head on fire just by talking about the Lord. It's like crazy. So not everyone is doom and gloom, but if you're like me and you resonate, man, Psalm 27 feels kind of far away. Let's dig into this. Let's take a step back. And today, before we even enter really the series, I wanna look at our stories. I wanna think about what makes us us. What has shaped our thoughts about God? Because the truth is, some of the gap you feel between you and the Lord might just be, oh, you've got some false understanding what if you just have some false narratives about God and like you don't understand who he is? That might really unlock some things. So are you ready? Here comes the exercise. So if we're ready for slide number one. I wanna introduce this tool and it's called, is it up there? I forget, I don't have my own slide to look at. I think I printed it. Oh, I did. Um, okay, so I wanna introduce, yes, this worldview funnel to help us look at our stories specifically through the lens of your relationship and view of God. That's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna prepare ourselves to enter into the fall series of learning about God, but first, what do we think about God? How have we been influenced by the several different spheres in our life and how we believe about God? Okay, so boom. So in short, this tool helps us discover the different areas in our lives that have shaped our view of God in positive or limiting and unhealthy ways. So when you're thinking about this tool, which looks, I mean, you're not supposed to really know what that is. It looks kind of strange, but picture puzzle pieces. Those don't look a lot like puzzle pieces. That's what they represent. And those are different categories of your life. But a more practical example, have you ever put oil in a car and seen the filter or the, the funnel that you use? You know how it starts out real wide and then gets real small? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? The funnel that you pour liquid in so it doesn't spill? Picture going to the Grand Canyon and someone saying, welcome to the Grand Canyon. The only way you're allowed to look at the Grand Canyon is to take this funnel, look through the small circle and look as much as you want. And you were just like, wow, I don't know what the Grand Canyon looks like. <laughs> you know, like it seems pretty, right? Like just picture how insane that would be. Like, do not give me something limiting my view of something this big and beautiful. But the truth is this happens with life. That's what this represents. That different areas of your life start adding pictures of God. Now they may be good and accurate and they may lead you closer to the reality piece. It might expand your view. But also, I guarantee you, you have plenty of narratives that you've picked up from different things that have added these puzzle pieces and over time narrowed your perception of who God says he is and actually is, right? Does that make sense, right? This happens everywhere, but especially with us and God. Okay, so let's talk about reality versus perception. So the top line, reality. That's who God actually is. And the bottom line often represents us much left to be discovered, but often it comes from unpacking our own story. So let me get there. 
Um, I kind of got lost. I started going off on my own, y'all. I always do that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's some categories. In fact, can you go to the next slide? So here's some examples. If you're gonna try to do this, let's get practical. Let's, let's bring it down. So some categories. Family. Family of origin, right? Anyone that's ever done couples counseling, you know. Family of origin, baby. Where you come from, that's gonna impact you every time, 10 out of 10. Impacting your marriage. Number two, your friends growing up. You could say my friends in college, my friends in high school. Yes, yes, all of it. Church experiences. I know that shapes some of y'all in positive ways, and I know it shapes some of you in negative ways, hurtful ways. Number four, culture, just the broader culture, right? I'm gonna explain some of this. Number five, significant experiences. Now listen, there's like 700 other categories. We're just gonna start out with five simple ones. In fact, today I'm gonna have you look at one of them. Um, but here's some examples. If you go, okay, explain to me, what, what do you mean culture? How would culture shape how I view God? Well, think about this. If you took a man that was born and raised in the Southern United States and introduced him to a woman from Calcutta, India and said, hey guys, what's God like? What, what is he like? What do you, you think they'd be on the same page? You think they'd give the exact same answers? No, what you'd hear is how culture has shaped their understanding of who God is. And so you just have to ask, okay, well, how would culture have shaped a man from the Southern United States about who God is? What would happen there? How would culture shape a woman from Calcutta, India? And maybe you wouldn't know that answer, or maybe you would, but like you understand it's very different because of the cultures they're in, right? Or with family. Maybe you could go, hey, what family did I come from? Was I an only child? Was I the firstborn? Was I the youngest? Was I the middle child? Did I pick up any narratives from that with my parents? Did any of those accidentally actually, oh wait, I did that with God. An example, I met a girl, awesome. She's in my house church, just walking, trying to walk with the Lord, doing awesome. Um, and we were sitting around a fire with our house church. I remember talking to her and her explaining her dad had this real, um, and I avoided the Jesus juke, but I wanted a Jesus juke as she explained it. But she was talking about how her dad was really hard on her growing up. He really expected all A's. Like that was just his expectation. Now he loved her, but he, he wasn't like abusive, but she always felt his disappointment. Like always felt like I'm either where I need to be or not quite there, shoot. And she was talking and I had heard her talk about God in other ways too. And they had absolutely crossed over. So when your dad's that way, and you come into a perfect presence, like this omniscient, perfect God, holy, righteous, powerful, how do you think you feel? Like your earthly father, who you've seen make mistakes, make you feel this way. Try the heavenly father out, how you feel there? And she brings all these broken narratives. Whoa, I bet you are, if he's disappointed, <laughs> we just might as well not have this conversation. Does that make sense? That's, how, that's one example of how family could impact you. It can be that deep, and sometimes it can be way more shallow than that. Anyway, um, church, Think about your church experiences. Some of y'all have had the most awkward, weird, prophetic words spoken over you. And it made you feel uncomfortable. You didn't follow. You didn't know what was going on. And you, you just felt like spiritually violated. And we're like, I don't know what happened. He saw a tree with an eagle and, and with a marshmallow. And I don't know what any of it meant. You know, it's just like, I don't know what happened. But it made me feel really awkward. Some of you are here and you go, man, I remember when someone prayed prophecy over me. They spoke an image over my life. Oh my goodness, the Holy Spirit just cemented, I am seen, I am known, and you have my future in your hands. All in the same place, right? And so I would encourage you as we go through this exercise to name the positive reinforcement that you feel is according to description really helped your walk with God. Name those things. Those are good. Those make you who you are. But also name, here's some of the things that have been really difficult with God because of these narratives and stories and things that have just shaped me whether I knew it or not. Does that make sense? Okay, the next, I'm about to hand, hand over the reins. Here's the reins. Grab them. Don't, don't grab them. Thank you, thank you, good sports. So I wanna encourage you, pull out your phone, put it on, do not disturb, 
and open your notes or pull out your paper and pen and write down these five categories. And using your phone or pen and paper, I want you just to take some time. We're gonna wait like five minutes. Luke, if we can have house music on during the five minutes, that's great. Um, not yet, you're good. But um, anyway, I wanna take some time to look at each one of them. And I would just encourage you, this is actually a pretty long process if you take your time. So choose one category. And it could be a category that's not even up there. I don't care, that's not the point. Choose your own category, pick your own adventure and explore how in what positive and confusing or hurtful ways did that area shape my understanding of God. And you can be free to go, I don't know how it shaped me, but I know it shaped me. That's a valid answer. I have some of those. Like, I know that made a difference, but I can't tell how yet. You know what I mean? So anyway, for about the next five minutes, take your time. We're gonna play some music. This is for your time to participate. I'll be quiet. And then we'll come back and we'll get into some communion and worship time. I've got the clock, so don't worry about your time. Look at me. That's a big clock right there. I got your back. Don't worry about time. All right, I think it's been longer than 20 seconds, I zoned out. Um, all right, uh, I'm kind of torn. Uh, I think I want to do big room. Sometimes smaller is helpful. We'll do big room for today. We'll do small groups maybe next week. Um, so I'd love to hear, uh, no matter good, bad, neutral, someone give me some examples that anything, maybe you came into this morning already knowing this, you can share that too, um, but someone helped get the conversation going. What, what's something you just, what epiphany did you just have? And if it's too personal, of course, you don't have to, you don't have to share it, but any, any epiphanies or anything you wrote down, help us get some ideas, some creativity going. Leah, my wife. Um, I grew up in a hostel, and so the, it actually was a really great experience for me growing up because it made me really be in tune with the Holy Spirit and just believe that God was real and like learn His voice. Um, that like changed as I got older, as far as like the the culture of like church and everything. But it was actually a really positive impact on my relationship with God growing up, just because I felt so connected with Him as a child, and I felt that like childlike faith. That's all good. Of that. Um, I know a lot of people have bad experience with Pentecostal. If you don't know anything about the religion, it's like really conservative, really intense. But it was a good, a good experience for me. So. Yeah, that's really good. So if you didn't hear, she said she grew up Pentecostal, and that that. Uh, that really created this heightened awareness of Holy Spirit and relationship with God. So like intimacy, prayer, one-on-one, really emphasized in her growing up. And I've benefited from it as well. That's like one of the first things I like fell in love with about her. Um, so that's, that's a really good positive example. I would actually, let me, let me counter real quick and then I'll stop giving examples. But I think about my church experience and I would say on some level, it wasn't the opposite, but it was a little underemphasized, uh, especially for like leaders. So at like 13 years old, I was preaching already. I wanted to preach so bad. And I, I had a lack of like, how's your relationship with God though? Do you love God? Not have you sinned, not like, hey, do you need to confess anything, but just, hey, how's your heart with the Lord? And I, I didn't really learn to think that way about my relationship with God. It was really easy to come and flex uh, a gifting that people thought I had at 13 and like be like, hey, everybody, I'm gonna preach really loud. You guys emotional yet? And, uh, and no one really was like, Josh, how is your inner closet one-on-one -on -one with God? Because God wants to like, he wants you to flourish with him. I didn't hear that until my 20s. And so that was huge for me um, for a little bit. What else? Doesn't have to be profound. One and two, we'll go you first. Um, I feel like a lot of times in my 
like um, the way that it was handled, it felt that those were like the chosen people, like that they struggled and they suffered, and that God saw them more than those who like had a very consistent kind of coasted through their childhood. Interesting. And it's just I don't know. I don't think that the um, like adults really handled that really well, or maybe they didn't realize that that was the yep. what we thought. But it kind of felt like I was not like yeah so this culture can kind of happen people are sharing testimonies it's powerful it's good they're like man i was addicted to, to heroin meth at the same time and then god delivered me and everyone's like whoa you're a super christian and then you're over here like i just you know i kind of went to school you know i hang out with friends sometimes you know what i mean and uh and you're like i guess i yeah, god didn't do anything crazy in me that's a really that's a really good narrative because you accidentally could, not speaking for you, but carry this narrative of, why don't we have like, where's our special sauce? Like, where's our, do you need me to go do something really bad so I can get forgiven? Yeah, that's really good. Um, let's step outside of church. If you already had a church experience, you can give it though because you already had your hand raised. Yeah, no, this is a church. So culture, just my, the lens of which I see God, like God's always been God to me, but how I view him, has it been on culture, what Wow. Well, and you named military, law school. What was the other two? College athletics. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good, Eric. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That's real. Did anyone else just inherit rule followers, like rule following? That's crucial. It's like your stability with God, yeah. One or two more, and then we'll, we'll transition. But I love this. Let's keep, let's keep it going, because you, what you say out loud will probably help spark something in someone else, especially with an exercise that's kind of strange like this. So one or two more, please. Yeah. So I That's wild. Thank you. That's really powerful. That's important. I don't think I've ever heard an example like that. That's really good. Thank you for sharing that. Um, one more. You got it. I believe in y'all. Yeah, thank you. Um, in my family, we just, like, it was the biggest thing to have service. And so that was, like, the closest way to be to God was to serve. Mm. And so a lot of the time that looked like outside of the church. So we connected a lot in the community and doing all that kind of thing. And then at church, it was like a different dynamic. And so it was almost like to be close, you had to be active and like be working in the community. And then if you were sitting down or like taking rest, 
that was frowned upon. Wow, okay. So it was like really positive to be working and have all these great interactions, but at the same time, it was really shameful when you were exhausted or needed rest as well. Woo. Okay, so if you didn't hear that, uh, culture that really praised uh, service, a very beautiful and remarkable attribute of Jesus, the servant heart, but in such a way that it felt kind of like if you're not serving outside the church, uh, you have no time to breathe and it's kind of frowned upon if you're not really active, right? So again, what I hear in a lot of this is uh, probably not so much in yours, but like th- there's truth. That's what's so important about these exercises. Jesus is the greatest example of, of a servant we've ever had. He tells us come and die and live. He tells us to, to love our enemies. I mean, he, that, he is so pro go and serve, especially outside the church walls. Like he's trying to get you to do that often for all of us. But when you think about some of the culture you can accidentally create, you raise kids that go, you have to, or you're not doing it right, right? So, do you guys feel the fine line in between those two narratives? And if you're not careful with the false narrative, that'll send you on a tailspin of, I'm done with church. And you had like 3% of truth adjustment to make, but you were like, nah, I'm done, right? Like one bad church experience or a lifetime of bad church experiences is like, ah, I don't know. And it's like, oh man, it's, it's really interesting. So anyway, all right, I was going on a tangent. I had to stop. Thank you guys. Thank you, thank you, everyone that was vulnerable and shared out loud. Um, so look, that's, that's kind of the hope for this, for this series uh, this year is that we kind of enter it going, okay, and I would encourage you this week, take this with you. Add your phone, add social media, like add a bunch of categories and, and literally just explore your own brain. Why do I think the way I think? What are some patterns I'm seeing? What's, what's it coming from? And my prayer for our church for the fall is that God would help our collective hearts be a blank canvas and that scripture would be the paint. And I guess God's the painter. I didn't finish the metaphor, but let's just say God's the metaphor, but that scripture would paint the picture that we see of God, that we would be able to go, oh, wait, I didn't learn that from the source, that everyone thinks they think about God because of what like, the Bible says. A lot of Christians are like, the Bible says this, but I'm hoping that he can reveal some false narratives so that we can better understand what the word says. And I think, I really believe, and I'm praying that the more accurate we understand who God is, the closer we can be with him, the, the more we can walk in deep relationship with him. All right, so um, I'm gonna leave you with our anchor verse for the whole series. It's in Exodus 34. It's verses six and seven. You're gonna hear us reference this probably a lot um, throughout the whole series. Um, But fun fact, it's the most quoted scripture in all of scripture, okay? So the Bible quotes Exodus 34, six and seven more than any other passage. So the Bible thinks this part of the Bible is really important, okay? So that's good. Um, And then also, this is like the first time the Lord ever goes, I'm gonna describe myself for you. Let me tell you who I am, all right? This is in Exodus. It says, oh yeah, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, Um, Oh, wait, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, okay? Slow to anger. Remember, we're in the Old Testament here, y'all. You're hearing some not Old Testament stuff right now, aren't you? He's merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and the transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. When I explain that, that'll make a lot more sense to you, but we'll do that later. Um, don't let that scare you. But, uh, but anyway, so this is kind of kind of be our passage where God goes, here's who I am. Here's me, okay? Here's God telling you who God is. 
And so my hope for this series, we're gonna come to this passage going, I know I got all my experiences, all my feelings, all my gut feelings, all my thoughts, all my puzzle pieces I'm trying to work through, but this is the accurate picture of who God is. Like this is a really good base level understanding regardless of my experience. That's the hope of approaching this series. And so anyway, this will stretch us. This will be challenging. It won't always, feel, like we'll see how it goes, but we'll do it together. We'll wrestle through things together. We'll encourage each other, all right? So let me pray. Um, and then, no, let's grab communion. Forgive my scattered brain. Can we stand up? And we have communion at all three tables. And I actually wanna take communion together as a church. Again, forgive my scattered mind there. Um, we have communion in these three tables. So you guys can go grab communion. We'll take it together as a church. And before you take it, I'll just say a brief little prayer over you guys. Man, thank you guys so much. You guys were great sports today. I know I threw a lot at you today and uh, you guys just rolled with the punches and, and participated. And uh, I don't know if you were expecting to do that on a Sunday, but you did it, so thank you. You've got the, the, the bread is in that kind of the top first layer that you can peel off, and then the juice is the second layer you can peel. Don't spill it on your clothes. All right, guys, I'm gonna pray over the room, and then we'll take communion together, just all at once. We'll just take it after I say amen, uh, and then we'll go into worship, okay? So will you just bow your head and pray with me real, real quick? Jesus, it's in your name we come, come to the Father. God, we love you. And I just ask, help us to hold on to all the true and positive narratives we already carry. We don't wanna throw those in the trash. But also, God, will you help us to, help us to find where we have just unhealthy and inaccurate views of your character and how you operate. Help us to discover those. And God, will you please allow the word to form how we think about you, God? Give us, God, let me just, I pray, will you give us the most accurate understanding of who you are? Will you, will you grow our church in like really knowing your character? Like really knowing who you are? Build our faith. Build our foundation, God. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, knowing Jesus, you've already accomplished what we couldn't. And so we ask you to continue doing work in us now, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's take communion and we'll worship.